As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Android's Dungeon. OP. Overpowered. Off-putting? Spells. D&D. What shouldn't be in there? Joel might tell us. Discussion about a boot. A bit. It. Chapter 2. Any good? Who knows? Maybe compare it to us. Us. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting at the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. Students are back in action. If you're a new student, you're listening to this. How? How on earth did you possibly dial by accident to CFRU or go to the website? Did some does somebody have you a gunpoint? And thanks for supporting us, by the way. The budget uh, after we switched to opt-in has the biggest uh, budget ever. That's We're right. We're rich. Uh, thank you for paying us. Joel and I showed up in our uh, one of our several Lamborghinis. They uh, didn't know what to do with the money. I didn't even. I don't even like Lamborghinis, but I was like, <laughs> they're paying me. Might as well spend <laughs> it on something tacky and Italian. Exactly. Even though I wonder if it, they're made mostly in Italy, or it's one of these things where it's like <laughs> <laughs> just slap the brand on. <laughs> it's made in Mexico. Japan. Hecho on yeah. on Mexico. I don't. I can't even speak Spanish. They're made in J- <laughs> H-O, Yeah. Hecho. <laughs> Is it po- Hecho in Mexico? Hecho in Mexico. It's H-O, but... H-O? Yeah, like eight cho Yeah, I already disliked this conversation. <laughs> anyway, Android's Dungeon is a show about games, board games, video games, mind games, movies, music, whatever. You can check us out on Twitter at 80RadioCFRU. Email us at androidsdungeon at cfru.ca. Or check us out on Insta, Androids Dungeon CFRU. Uh, I am Jack, and I am joined with my uh, forever co-host. Handsomest co-host. That that's like your opinion. Man. One of us is the brains, and one of them one of us is the looks. <laughs> you can guess who's who. We're actually remarkably <laughs> similar to those. Um, I, I looked this up the other day. Do you remember the Greek myth of? Um, I believe it's Greek myth, but there are these three witches. The crones, yeah. And there's only one eye between them, and yeah, they just they pass, pass the it. eye around. And I think it's, it's probably, it's either Jason or Ulysses. Or Her- somebody steals the oh. eye. <laughs> just like, <laughs> basically, Odysseus, maybe? Yeah, one of those guys. Yeah. Basically, and then bullies them into doing what he wants them to do, <laughs> which is a classic Greek, Greek trope of this monster that's like, un- Sucka. tough guy, but then it's like. And they can yeah. see anything, I mean. That's it. They can see the, the, the future, your death, and... your death, so all the info. Anyway. Uh, that's us. We just swap brains. And uh, I heard that uh, Zeus kind of hated them and would like kind of avoid them. All the other gods avoided them because they were just kind of... I'm looking up right now. Like, Keep actually, talking. Actually, you know what? I think I'm thinking of the other ones, the ones that have the strand. There's like this single strand. Well, there's Clotho and Strato. Yeah, so one makes it, one cuts it, exactly. one reads it. The Grey, the, the Grey sisters... Yeah. Uh, the, or the gray witches, old women, old women, gray witch. Anyway, I wonder if this is kind of just like a cross mythology theme because we've got those three from the Polish mythology that they threw into the Witcher. Uh, are you talking about the crones in the, the three, Witcher three? Yeah, 
it's possible. Like a lot of these myths, once you start tracing the, like following these lines, every culture seems to have its akin version. Well, if you watch Zeitgeist. What's that? Oh, Zeitgeist is a a film about uh, how all the religions are basically the same. Oh, okay. They're all based on worshiping Jack. (laughs) That's all it is, just the roundabout way. And they basically said Christianity was built off of Egyptian mythology and this and that. The Egyptian stuff's fascinating when you really get down to the the obsession. There's got to be a reason between uh, Judaism and um, Egyptian uh, mythology or whatever you want to describe it as. The occultists are obsessed with it. That's yeah. there's something about it, and I wish death. I knew more about it. Pardon me. And death. And death. Well, I death don't even, everywhere. Uh, I disagree. I think a lot of the the like if you look at something like Crowley, for example, like death is obviously important, but it's not really the 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 primary focus of it. It's more just a com- important a- aspect to mm. the the obsession with the the arcane, the 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 esoteric. It's just cool. <laughs> That's all it's it is. Pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. Uh, in case you haven't realized, we're going to talk about board games. Joel, what have you been played recently? I haven't played it yet, but I got Valley of the King. <gasps> it ties in. It ties <laughs> yeah, in. I'm just saying. <laughs> there's a lot of gods. There's a lot of uh, servicemen that work in the uh, in the tombs. Let's talk about Valley of the Kings quickly for any listener who doesn't know Yeah, what the great thing about it is that we've, we've played the game many times. We don't need to review... Uh, Valley of the Kings by AEG Special Edition because <laughs> it's the same game. We've played Valley of the Kings, and I know that I I haven't actually played Afterlife or Rebirth, neither have I, <laughs> even though you own them. Well, it's one of these things where it's you know, I don't want to get sidetracked here, but I bought them because I was worried that they would disappear on me, hmm. and I heard good things about them, and you can mix and match them, so it's not and they're all basically individual games. But it was definitely one of these things where I picked them up. And I, I feel like I barely scratched the surface of the, the original, and I kind of feel guilty just, like, moving into the other ones with it. Yeah. Anyway. So the reason why it ties in is because of the Valley of the Kings. If you didn't know which kings we're talking about, we're talking about the kings of Egypt. Oh. And <clears throat> uh, and basically, this is a deck builder. And you know I love deck builders, and this is one of the best. Uh, it's... <clears throat> there is, instead of a lineup of five cards, you've got a pyramid where there's three cards on the bottom you can select from, and then two above that, and then one above the two, and basically, as you select from the bottom, it crumbles down, uh, basically, from whatever gap you create, and if if you create a gap in the middle, you get to pick, I don't was it you or the next person that gets to pick what You crumbles? do. When it crumbles, you get to choose. Uh, cool. And uh, basically, you're buying better cards. Uh, but one of the cool mechanics of it, and there are a couple cool mechanics that we'll talk about. Well, one of my favorite mechanics of it is um, that you get nothing by building your deck. You only get points by getting rid of cards in your deck by a single function that you're allowed to do once per turn, which is called Entomb. And what is Entomb, Jack? Entombing is when you're allowed to take any of your cards that are currently in your hand and you get to slide them under your pyramid. And the card is gone from the game for all intents and purposes. I don't know if other expansions let you play around with pulling stuff from tombs. But so there uh, was a really nasty attack Harry was telling me about, which is basically everybody takes a card from their tomb and puts it in their discard. Okay, so that's, there's a good example there. Just like, <laughs> that could be extremely... Fr- is it random or is it like top card or is no, it... I'm not sure. That could be really nasty. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. It's Because uh, a lot of deck builders... In my opinion, and I think anyone who plays deck builders will agree that you can't make one without, uh, unless you're super good at what you're doing, you need to be able to purge cards in some way. Mm-hmm. And what Valley of Kings does, which is really interesting, is right from the get-go, 
it's a free action essentially on your turn is to purge, but it's not a purge in the sense of I've got a bunch of coppers and estates I'm trying to get rid of because they're useless to me. Th these cards are all theoretically useful to me, and I'm making a decision of getting rid of cards. And I think if you're playing the game properly, every tomb you're in or every turn you're entombing something. But For sure. Anyway. And right away you want to entomb your sacrificial table, right? <laughs> you gotta get rid of your defensive <laughs> item ASAP. <laughs> yeah, so in this game, and like a lot of deck builders, you'll get defense cards that you can purchase and then attack cards which you can attack people with. In this game, you get one defense card. Yeah. And you get it in your starting hand, and if you get rid of it, you're out of luck. <laughs> Do and there not are get rid of it. A lot of attacks. <laughs> so you probably want to hang on to that. Yeah. It's, but, uh, and yeah, like Joel was saying, that there's, there is a fair amount of, especially in as far as deck builders go, there's a lot of opportunities here where it's like, okay, discard down to three cards this time, or yep. uh, I'm going to add cards to... Do those count as attacks? Like me for putting stuff into your discard pile? Uh, oh, yeah, probably, yeah. Just just kind of, uh, what would you call it, diluting the deck? Yeah, making it like, I'm trying to purge things, and you just keep throwing weak cards into here. But uh, yeah. sorry, please go on, Joel. Well, it's a it's an awesome game. I think the, the one of the things I... Okay, I'm going to say that there are two things that I can't stand about deck builders, and that is when uh, cards only do one thing. Uh, for example, uh, you have two, two types of <coughs> cards. One card does attacks and one card does purchase. I think Star Realms did it okay. I'm not a fan of the way Legendary or Harry Potter deck builder does it, um, but I want options. Because options make it more strategic, and I, I know it makes it harder, but uh, I like the options of do this or this. So, so in, you're saying you want interesting decisions in your game? <laughs> yes, exactly. Awfully entitled. And in Valley of the Kings, they give the, you that in spades. It's not Twilight Struggle where you have four options every time you play a card. <laughs> but it is pretty tough. So basically you can either play the card for its gold value, you can entomb it, like we said, or you can play an event, which got some game text on it. And you can only do one of those things. And so the decisions pile up, right? Because you've got maybe five cards in your hand. you got to decide what to do with all five of them. What's the total? What are you trying to buy yeah. on that market? And maybe you need to play one of the cards that lets you shuffle around the pyramid so yeah. that you can get something off the top. And well, it, it does that Dominion thing where you start off with you're, you're allowed one action. Um, does, does buying count as an action? I'm trying to remember now off the top of my head. One yeah. action, one buy, and... Uh, one and two. Are you limited like that? I think you are. Oh yeah, you are limited to a single buy. I think. Either way, the problem, what we're getting, trying to express here is that it it deliberately constrains your abilities, and because you have cards that you have to use either for their ability or their buy, you end up in these positions where you have these really cool cards with neat powers, but you're like, oh, this isn't helping me necessarily buy a card this time, or I'm a dollar short, so I got to use this card instead of its ability, and that screws up every other plan I've got going here. And meanwhile, like we mentioned with this entombing thing, it's not just a matter of grabbing cards and dumping them willy-nilly into your pyramid. It's not a bad idea, but it's not a great idea because there are sets you're collecting. So each yep. card has a color associated with it. And you're trying to get all the cards that are associated with them. And there are, um, I, I don't know if all of them have an equal amount. Uh, no, far from it. There's one with five, there's one with nine, you know, right. everything so, in between. Exactly. So the more you have at the end of the game entombed, and we're talking un uh, unique, uh, I think you're allowed to start, you can have multiple sets if you've got multiples enough to build up. You can't count, let's say, two of these cats toward your 
your streak of uh, like X amount of blues you've got there. You'd have to start a totally different one. And that's where you're really getting into competition with your friends because not only are you trying to buy cards, but you're trying to buy specific cards that are related to your sets. And if you and your friend are trying to collect similar sets, which you probably are doing, and I... What's I don't know how many people you'd want to play Valley of the Kings with, to be honest. But More than two, I think. You think so? Probably, yeah. When you play two, at least in the base game, I've found zero that you sum. can pretty much get anything you need. Yeah. And, and because, like you said, it's set collection, and you're not getting, oh, I entomb this, I'm getting three points. You're getting X for X that you've put away. Yeah. Just like any other set collection, the more you put in, the more you get. And if you get a full set, bam, tons That's of points. a lot of points. Now, in two-player... There's two of every card, which means unless your opponent is going out of their way to destroy cards that you're collecting, mm-hmm. you're just going to get at least like two or three full sets. So you're just, oh, get this and you get that and yeah. on we go. And also something to point out too is that we've we've made jokes in the past about this Kickstarter, but <laughs> the the game itself is gorgeous. The, the tarot-sized cards, the artwork on them pops. It comes with sleeves, nice sleeves. Some comes with the slots. You can fit all your different sets in. and uh, you Dividers. Can, dividers. You can kind of go, well, I don't, what am I feeling like playing today? I'm going to do this and that and all these things. So it's as far as production values go, I think this is definitely going to be one of these additions that – like I, I think it'll become the standard for at least the game because yeah. I'd be astounded if they do anything else from here on in. Harry said that the player guide is really good too, and that it's got. It said it, he said it's like sushi go for deck builders. <laughs> uh, it's it's got a whole bunch of suggested menus of games that they've play tested with. Like try try these cards from this set and these cards from this set. Put those yeah. together, and make a deck, and you'll find this type of game. You know, do you want a really attacky game? Exactly. Do you want a really high point game? Yeah, yeah. Do you want a really challenging? Uh, difficult decisions type of game, try these different sets. Which I think, again, is, and maybe I'm saying this because uh, I'll get into this when, when I, we get to what I've been playing recently, but Dominion does something very similar with you have all you have the, the base game has this box, all these slots in there, and you can basically build whatever kingdom you want as far as the cards you're going to be picking for this your game you're playing. But you there are recommended paths you should go down because no. um, as we'll get into in a moment... There are certain combinations which are not very fun to play with yeah. when it's just randomly. Uh, yeah, and assigned. if you put witches in and you don't put wells in, then <laughs> <laughs> there's no way to get rid of the curses in your deck. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, I should mention that one of the other great things about Valley of the Kings before we go is tiered decks. What's that, Joel? Tiered. What's that mean? Decks. I thought you just shuffle decks and outcome whatever. So you get things in phase one, phase two, and phase three instead of just crazy cards that you might not be able to afford or want. And are wasted. Early. You see them appear and disappear. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, and it's so simple. It's such an... It, Valley Kings makes it look easy. And, yep. and, and if you think like, oh, well, what about the setup? What about the take? No, they're just... There's numbers <laughs> in the corner. Can you read a number? Yes, yeah. no. Put them into their pile, shuffle them up, put that... Down there, you take this number two pot, shuffle that up, put them there, and go on. One, two, oh. three. Are you listening, Terraform <laughs> March two? <laughs> I just, I, it, I don't understand. It makes you think it'd be fun as a designer to, yeah, to decide what comes early, decide what, what comes early, early yeah. and like as to see players interact with things. It, it, to me, it just there's nothing I hate more than seeing cards that don't belong at this time yeah. just showing up and going away and it's like well what was the point of this and phases I mean like we talk about civilization we love civilization but the 
the prerequisites need to come back. You yep. can't have yep. monotheism before you have pottery. It makes zero sense. <laughs> it, it's funny, I guess, if you want to break it down, but yeah. I think it's absurd, the idea of just like, well, I traded really well in round three and I'm buying monotheism. So. <laughs> I've written the Magna Carta. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? In the know? Stone Age. <laughs> it's, it's, a, <laughs> written, it's written in dirt, but it's a real good one. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, we do recommend Valley of the Kings heartily. Yes. Uh, Jack, what have you been playing lately? So uh, I'll start with following our thing. Uh, I've been playing Bid Dominion online uh, mm, because nice. anyone can play it for free on, I think it's like playdominion.net. And it's a really nice implementation. It's just the base game, though, which is fine. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. When you play a bunch of games of it, you start to uh, jones for more content, and it's right there. You can see it. Except you can't just buy it straight up, which drives me nuts. They want a subscription, and mm. I'm not paying. Are you paying I, opponents? Um, I just play against computer because okay. right? it's easy for me just to stop what I'm doing and come back and do that stuff. But you can play against other people, and the cool thing is if you're playing against somebody who does a subscription, you can play with all the sets they want to hey, play. Hey, so you just need one person. You just to need one person to be the, the cash. Fork out the cash. So what's the what's the rate? Uh, I think that it's. I think it's monthly. They want like three or four bucks or something, which mm. it doesn't sound insane, but I'm I am allergic to monthly fees. Yeah. I, I hate, 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 hate it, especially for a game. And uh, if you had just said, if you pay us 25 bucks, you can have all this content forever. Yeah. But here, take my money. That's perfectly fine. How many me. times do we say this about mobile games? Just charge us 20 bucks for a good full game. Yeah, don't nickel and dime me and micro purchase yeah. or... <laughs> me paying 15 bucks yeah, for a game see. and then get anyway yeah. um so i've been playing a fair bit of dominion recently because i just got this this itch for it yeah and um what i do is you can queue up as many opponents as you like well up to four i think but you can choose human or bot and i usually just play against the bot and you can choose which cards you want which kingdom cards mm. and uh, or you do random and i usually just do random because whatever there's barely any to choose from so odds are i'm going to get what i want or something I'm happy with. So you really get a feel of what's in the base game and what you're trying to do. And uh, for those who don't know, Dominion is this game that's been out forever. I think it's, I don't want to say uh, 2000s is when it showed up, but it was kind of like, uh, I know Joel's hard opinions on Dominion, mm-hmm. um, but it is, I, I think we could both agree it is the 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 OG deck builder. It is the game that if you're making a deck builder and you haven't played Dominion, you don't, stop what you're doing, turn around and go play Dominion and then figure out what you like or dislike. Before the you godfather of the genre. The godfather of the genre. I, the, some nerd somewhere has probably gritting his teeth and saying, well, actually. <laughs> there was a custom game built off of playing card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. Like somebody said, well, actually... Uh, 1734. Yeah, the Earl of Sandwich, uh, known for <laughs> sandwiches, was... Uh, but anyway, it's uh, so what you have, as opposed to Valley of the Kings, which is a market road deck builder, but done properly, Valley of the Kings, or sorry, Dominion has all the cards available to buy right there in front of you. You can yep. see every single one of them. Uh, and you start with a hand, similar to every other deck builder, of some coins you can use to buy stuff, and some victory points. Except the victory points are anchors at the beginning of the game because they're not helping you at all. They're just diluting your deck. And what you want to do is you draw, shuffle your cards, you draw five, and you use your money to buy cards. And like what I was saying earlier, you get an action, a buy, and then you go to cleanup. So and you only buy villages forever. So you only buy villages, which is the smartest and best move ever. And there's definitely not an entry on it. <laughs> there's not a name for <laughs> a the name person for the that person. Does it. <laughs> um, 
And that's that. So you buy these cards, and the whole point is you're trying to... The game ends after, I believe, two piles are gone, maybe three, or all the provinces have been purchased. Mm. And the provinces, duchies, and estates are pure victory points. And the provinces cost eight bucks, which is a lot of money when the most you can draw at the beginning of the game is five, and that's on a perfect draw. the most expensive card? Uh, It is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unless other expansions added something that's weird or not. But you can upgrade your currency, which is silver, and then the gold, which increases your buy power. But the whole meat of the game is balancing what cards you're going for and adding to your deck, keeping in mind that you're randomly adding these things and you're shuffling them and you're hoping that you're going to get into combos. And you're trying to build these sequences where you get a lot of money in one hand so you can buy provinces and maybe other cards. But you got to keep in mind your opponent's doing the same thing. And maybe there are attack cards, things like witches, which when played, uh, add curses to your deck, which not only dilute it, but create negative victory points. There are thieves, militias. There are tons of different cards. With all the expansions, anything you can think of has been probably added to Dominion at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, So... All I'm trying to say is that you should, if you have any interest in deck builders and you don't feel like paying money for any of them whatsoever, you can go to play Dominion for free and give it a shot. It'll, mm-hmm. There's a bit of a learning curve, but... Uh, Turns out this is Deck Builder Week. Deck Builder Week, which is, I, I had no intention Just of talking about that. Me. <laughs> so, um, but like I was saying earlier, the you need to be able to purge. And by default, Dominion won't always give you the option to purge. They're... The, there's a chapel card, which lets you get rid of four cards as your action, which is crazy as far as purge goes. Um, but sometimes in the randomly generated stuff, it doesn't show up. And, and sometimes you get witches, sometimes you get other stuff, and you're just sitting there staring at this deck that's like 40 cards large. <laughs> like, I'm never seeing any of these cards show up ever again. It's just a nightmare. Yeah. My thought on Dominion is... Uh... Uh, you could say that Valley of the Kings is definitely uh, like a long down the road evolution. Of Absolutely, Dominion. and uh, and DC too, uh, as well. Just kind of evolves it like things. It's just basically it strips away some of those like buy limit, action limit, um, and gives you more abilities. Like uh, you can interact with your discard. You can interact with cards that are destroyed or your deck in certain ways. But Dominion. You still got to give it a lot of respect because it is balanced. And like you say, every single card is available right off the bat. So this enables tournament play uh, absolutely because the only RNG in the game is when you run out of cards and you have to shuffle your deck. Exactly. And like Joel said, it is one of those games that there, it is tournament uh, viable. Like you'll see a lot of people playing Dominion <laughs> tournaments, which is incredible to me. But uh, yeah. Um, and every entry too. The game is so obsessive that you, there's the minion wiki, and every card there has been similar to uh, Twilight Struggle, has been broken down and it's analyzed, and people that. talk about all this stuff. I was just thinking about going back to the Twilight Struggle wiki now that I know every card. Yeah. And uh, but I I wonder like, do you know why in the app, NORAD is not a card? Is that like a specialty bonus edition card or something like that? You know, that's a good question. I, I, there were definitely cards that came outside of the main deck in mm. in the the board game itself or the physical copy, but I was I can't remember if it's a like a fix to a bad card, like there's or mm. like a an updated version of it. But I'm yeah, I can't recall. Because the one in the red box that we both have is is called like deluxe edition or yeah. something. So maybe there are some new cards. Maybe it's we- again. Why does the app not have this? Why does exactly. the app do this? Why does the app bug out? Why does the AI do this? Maybe it's, you can buy it. Yeah, just give us some more money. So <clears throat> I, I paid some money for Star Realms. 
which you know yeah but I, it was five bucks i've heard the same thing about ascension a game that no like a lot of people take a dump all over as mm-hmm. like an actual in-game or in-person card game to play but <clears throat> excuse me the 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 digital version people will say there's nothing wrong with that it's like the only way to play it because of just how streamlined and how quick it is versus like it's kind of like popcorn versus sitting down and just eating a big bowl of it between mm, two other yeah. people but um okay good uh actually the one last thing i want to say is i finished control the game oh, i was yeah. talking about last week and it's still very very good it's a pc game remedy entertainment um you can see exactly where they run out of time and money, though. And it was a little disappointing to see. So they pulled a Shadow of Mordor? Not quite as bad as that, because Control's a good game. <laughs> <laughs> but it does end abruptly. It's been, there's this, been this big thing building up to stuff, and then it's basically, uh-oh, uh, <laughs> meet us next it's time. Over. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it, it was a little disappointing because they, it had such momentum and such stuff going through to it, but you could see it was starting to get buggier. I had my first crash of the game and, uh, this, the story just sputtered when you thought there was going to be something interesting happening there. So unfortunately ends on a bit of a sour note, but overall, like until the last, I'd say half hour, 45 minutes of the game. It's definitely, uh, I'd give it an, an A- minus as far as uh, <laughs> third-person PC shooters go. Well, I guess maybe, you can play it on a console, too. Well, maybe we'll, we'll talk some more about story stuttering after, uh, after the break. <laughs> okay, I'm interested now. Uh, all right, listen to the music. We'll be back in a second. Bye.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Scary Monsters, Super Freaks by David Bowie. Uh, what album is it from? I think it's from Scary Monsters, Super Freaks. I could be wrong. I really like David Bowie, but it's one of these, he's one of these artists that if you say, oh, like I love his music, but if you put a gun to my head and say like identify the albums and pick where <laughs> these things come from, I'm screwed. I have no hope in hell. But he's such a... When somebody's been making music for that long and you're, I don't want to say casual fan, but ca- more on the casual you're, side you're of him. following him. I'm not dedicated. But I did read an autobiography, or not autobiography, a biography about him over the, um, <clears throat> I think it was over the summer. And, what format? Uh, it was written by a woman, I don't know, she was like a music journalist or something. And uh, he kind of, it was really neat, but he came across as a bit of a sociopath in it. Mm. And that kind of hurt my, my, the, the image of him in my head a little bit. I could see that. Yeah, but just like this relentless ladder climber in terms of like he would do anything to further his career, hmm. and and there were, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't really seem like he uh, he. I don't know. At least music wise, it doesn't seem like he changed much. Oh really? You'd say that? No. What? Sorry. What I mean is like he didn't um, make exceptions. Oh. If, if, if that was like his motivations for advancing in the career, he wasn't like. Oh, yeah, I'll do whatever you say. No, something. I agree. He yeah, just I got agree weirder and weirder. Yeah, he just did whatever <laughs> he wanted, like, between yeah. his uh, his costumes and his looks and his acts and stuff, like, the, the nickname, the chameleon, it was very apt yeah. for all that stuff. But I'm trying to think, what, what connected me to that? Oh, man. Anyway, scary monsters, Joel. Scary. Uh, believe it or not, there are plenty of scary monsters in It, Chapter 2. Joel, what did you think of It? It, Chapter 2, starring Tim Curry as Pennywise the Clown. <laughs> I wish. Actually, you know what? I have nothing nothing against Skarsgård, and I'm glad he got that one scene under the under the thing. It was like, oh, let's let's see Skarsgård do some some fun, scary faces. Yeah. And that's that's what we wanted, and and we got a little bit of that. But uh, overall, I did not like it. What was your main problem with it? Um. Well, it was trying to do too many things, and man, did they sure rely pretty heavily on the, uh, uh, I'm going to call it a dash scare. It's not a jump scare, but you see something scary, and then it just comes right at the camera and envelops the camera. Yeah, it's... There uh, were too many. None of it was even scary, though, too. No, like, you didn't even, even get, like, a, a jump out of me, because yeah. I don't know if we were just too used to it, or we're just numb, or maybe it spoke to how little we cared about the movie itself. By the... But I think I think it comes down to what the camera and the editing were doing. It wasn't, it wasn't scary, like, there was scary content. Where it's like, this could have been scary if it was approached in a different way. Yeah. But, like, you always knew when something scary was going to happen. Each of the adults is going to go through a scary experience. <clears throat> and it's going to be some <clears throat> version of Pennywise's face, and they're going to be fine. Yeah. So, this is what, when we watched the first one, was it about a year ago it came out, or has it been longer? Feels like longer. Feels like longer. The fir- you, you've read the novel. Yeah. The the way it's written is that it bounces back and forth, correct? Like yeah. between the adults and kids. Versus the movie structure, which is all kids, this one, or the previous film, uh, chapter one. Mm. And this was two-thirds adults in this one and a third kids. Yeah. And I think that's, I was talking to Kale about this, and I think that was the main problem with this movie was that there was this weird flow to how things were happening, this disconnect. And yeah. I wasn't sure when I was watching it was that, 
hold on, are the kids going back in time? What, what's happening <laughs> here? Because, oh no, it's supposed to be, and this wasn't until yeah. I watched the video, it was supposed to be this, oh, they got in a fight and they went off and did things on their own or something for a bit. And yeah, then that was weird because that's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to like, oh, well, in the book. You know, no, it's but... important though. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's right there. It was not... <laughs> No similarities. I mean, almost no similarities. It was, it's cool to see Stephen King make a little cameo there, but uh, yeah. I guess he approves of what uh, is going on if he's in the film. But uh, it was really funny that, uh, you know, they were dissing throughout the whole movie. They had a common joke where they were dissing uh, uh, the writer's Bill, endings. Bill's yeah. writer's endings. Yeah. And then they took the ending of it. And completely changed it. Now, what's the... So, here's a... In case you're curious, this is a spoiler warning. Woo! Spoilers! Woo! Spoiler! Okay, what happens in the book compared to the movie, Joel? Um, So, like you said, jumps back and forth. So, basically, things that are happening in the kids' lives are then mirrored in the adults' lives, basically uh, coming back to it. So, they kind of did it in the whole thing where they all went off and and relived their scary moments so that was all done by the kids and then by the adults but in this one they just like kind of mash it all in together like remember when you were scared and now you're scared again okay next person (laughs) (laughs) well i was describing that as like it felt like a video game almost in that there's like levels it's like okay this is like oh it's bill's level and he's like he will challenge this and nothing happens this is bev's level like sequence it's borderline just character to character to character there's no flow in between them which was odd yeah and it was sucked i mean uh, there here's some changes uh beverly's husband is a big major part in the book he comes to town he tries to kill somebody um obviously the guy that's like being driven around by the dead guy is also a a bit of a bigger role he just kind of shows up and dies this one (laughs) it's almost the reverse of uh in the shining when uh (laughs) scatman crowther shows up so i'm here to save the (laughs) claw that's the end of me that's great speaking of which the shining too (laughs) really doctor sleep i didn't read it i don't know (laughs) stephen king is if nothing else prolific i hope i <laughs> There's been a resurgence. It's this King Renaissance, <laughs> and I I don't want to go off track here. Castle Rock is a great series for ninety percent of it, and then yeah. the last episode, last two episodes, they don't know what they're doing, so the ending is very poor. But yeah. up to that point, it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, I love Stephen King novels, and mostly it's classics. I mean, Carrie was brilliant. A lot of um, fun. Misery, uh, the Dark Knight. Uh, I know Dark you're. Knight. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Dark Tower series. I know yeah. you're a big fan, and I read the Gunslinger. Um, what else? I mean, the Green Mile and all of his dramas. Have the, sh- been the short stories. When you when you go through his work, it's incredible. Oh yeah, the, the whole collection of short stories. But um, so the other the other issue with it is that the tone for me was all over the place. Yeah. And Bill Hader is cast as um, what's comedy his name? relief. As, uh, yeah, it was. I'm going to call him Funny Man. Yeah. And uh, he's, I like him. He's, he's, he's a cool actor. He's a funny guy, but he's too funny in this movie. Yeah. They're giving him too much to work with. And there are scenes that, are, that were almost farcical or a joke, and I wasn't quite sure what was going on. It's not like you have a movie that's 90% horror, and then you have a couple of jokes just for the audience kind of, oh. Just yeah. to breathe. Just but to breathe. there was never any of that tension. There's never a need for relief. Yeah, there's like a bloody skateboard coming down the stairs. And what does he say? 
oh, are we supposed to be scared right now? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> what? Why? Um, there's the red letter guys pointing out the, the scene involving um, the severed head growing legs is straight out of the thing. Yeah. And Bill Hader even has a line that's identical to the character from the thing who's seeing that going on. Yeah. There's this bizarre scene with a Pomeranian in the... Um, yeah, the cute Pomeranian that's... That that nothing really comes up, and but everyone... It's funny. It was actually funny, yeah. but why? But then you knew. <laughs> you just knew it was good. Anyway. But here's the thing. All of these... Like, it is a nice story. There's all these kids, and they have their problems. Yeah. Uh, Beverly always ends up with somebody abusive. Her dad was abusive. Her yeah. husband is abusive. She needs to find a way to get over that. Break and in the, the book, it's explicit. Yeah. Right? Um main guy bill always uh blaming himself for the death of georgie that was pretty explicit in the movie but very <laughs> they didn't have time to flush out all seven of these people no and all of their seven problems it is a massive book can i point out too this movie is two hours and 49 minutes long <laughs> and it felt like up. every minute of it to me it uh, felt petered off so bad at the end oh man it was stuffed to the gills but it's almost like uh, it, it was like eating a Chinese buffet and then coming home and two hours later, you're, oh, man, I'm starving. What happened here? Because there was there was so much in it, but there was nothing really nothing for the most part. Yeah. And Bill's for, dealing with having been fat. And... Yeah. And that's like, what? Oh, how do you deal with that? He was made fun of by the clown. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? That's that's his, uh, not Bill. What's the, the, the ex, the kid who lost weight's name? Ben. Ben, that's it. And uh, there was more of a, the, um, the comedian man, it was yeah, hinted Ricky that he Tozier. was gay. Um, yeah, which was not in... But not in the book, book at, all. at all. And in the in the TV series, it was kind of implied that, I guess, uh, Eddie was... Um, he just never loved anyone or something, but uh, I don't know. It's yeah. very peculiar. Okay, so in the book, they go down, they go into the barrens. They find this uh, sort of torn up sewer they go through the sewer for a while there's no house involved they go down a well so that's similar but then they, they created this scene so that they could have action for a while in the movie yeah it, the, the thing i hated the most about that part was when they walked in and you saw it and you were just like okay the next 20 minutes of the movie are gonna be just this spooks hey, look at this cool uh scene that we built yeah. right because like the spokes that are coming out looks are like, neat they obviously spent a lot of money to build this yeah. but it doesn't look real Right, like the cinematography focusing around it was garbage. I think ma my main problem with the movie comes down to the editing. Really interesting. Like the plot, the dialogue wasn't great, but it could have been a good movie if whoever was making it had any idea how to make things scary. First of all, well, it's the same director as the first one, and the first one was scary. It was, yeah, it was but, spooky. But I think it comes back for me. It comes but down it to the tension. Focus. The focus is. I think we're we're both on the same track here. Is that this one felt unfocused, and maybe uh, victimized by the source material more because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but all these sort of things that were happening to the kids felt straight out of like the books, whereas like okay, th this this character has to threaten, be scared by this. And it's something yeah. that's like in the original Shining, like the topiary monsters are like the hedge monsters coming alive. That's fine not being in the movie. I don't need to be spooked by yeah, exactly. the, the hedge animals or whatever. And this one, they it felt like, and again, stop me if I this wasn't in the book, but if it wasn't, then double shame on them <laughs> because it's like King loves that sort of stuff and it works in a novel. 
Yeah. But it doesn't work on screen because it comes, like you're saying, predictable. Like, oh, here's the leper man again, which led yeah. to another bizarre atonal scene when it vomits on his face and it cut to that song for two seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah my angel. And then it cuts what? right away. It was bizarre. It felt That's so terrible editing. <laughs> but it's it's so terrible that there's got somebody did something on purpose. That's what makes me so weird weirded out yeah. about that. It was like a Deadpool moment, you know. Exactly. I'm pretty sure Deadpool plays the same bloody song in it. <laughs> yeah, so. but they always have this slow motion thing where they play some you know some sappy eighties pop song. Yeah. So. It, it was very peculiar. But he's a germaphobe. That's the. I know. I get and that. And his mom is always telling him. And all that stuff's fine. And his wife is the same. Exactly. And he, yeah, he marries someone exactly like his wife or his mother. Um, and all that scene, but the scene down there, it was so weirdly lit, and it's and there's weird things going on. They set it up nicely, and then it turns kind of a bizarre on us. And I don't know what, if it was just the the director was afraid to really embrace the horror. Because maybe it was just teetering on both sides where it's like, I'm not going to commit to the scares. I'm not going to commit to a comedy. I'm not committing to anything here. And we end up with this unfocused and frankly unscary and overlong. And uh, there were no, you know, classic classic Native American cultural tribe that tried to kill him at some point. That was all made up in the movie. And it it was just so pointless because like, here, I've got this solution here. We've got this thing and it's yeah. going to work. And then it's like, ha ha, that didn't work back then. Idiots. And it's not going to work now. <laughs> yeah. All you got to do is make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, again, basically the same thing that happened in the first movie. Yeah, again. exactly it's like, the same. Why did they just try that in the first place? We, we, we belittle him. <laughs> we, we, we say he's whatever. It's got another way to make him small. Yeah. Which, you know, again, it, it could have been okay. It just, to me, felt um, contrived. And at that point, after you've been, like, how are you? I don't understand why you suddenly couldn't attack them. Like, that's something <laughs> else, too. Like, they yeah. they basically already semi-defeated him when they whipped the thing through his face. And everyone believes he's dead. So isn't that enough, too? Or is that not the right type of belief or belittling that yeah. you can still impale somebody real nice? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the rules are all over the place, too. I don't understand. Is the, is the zombie actually driving him around? Yeah, this is the thing. Like, okay, if you guys don't know, Jack is a big fan of scary movies, and he knows a lot about the genre. And I would say that one of the most important things everyone in shouldn't believe this horror movies is that there should be rules. Yeah, and probably the monsters are able to break them sometimes. But, but if they break them, it's got to be you have to believe it. There has yeah. to be a good reason or something. It's like if there's a ghost, right? And the ghost can only kill you if you fall asleep. Then he can't get you when you're awake. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy Krueger doesn't knock on your door in the this day. There's a monster that's only killing virgins. And... Yeah. Yeah. So the, in this case, there's a bunch of things that I, it's kind of like, I don't understand. I'm confused. Is he doing this? Yeah. Is... There's no, and here's the thing, like, Derry is supposed to be like, the entire town of Derry is like kind of corrupted and it's him. Yeah. He is the entire town. All the people in the town are him. Oh, I didn't know that. That's uh, interesting. I mean, like, they're still people, but they're basically like you know, um, kind of raised and there's always these kind of waves, the, the 27 years and they, they totally ignore that, which was one of my favorite things, even though it's really dark, but like every 27 years, something terrible happens and then he's satiated and he goes back down. So uh, okay. They burned an entire club full of, full of people. And there was like this mass, uh, massacre back in the day and everything like that. They kind of touch on it a bit. Com- like they talk about the wave of it, yeah, but yeah, the, the, what happens, they don't go into detail. It's just like 27 years. It, it feeds. Yeah. It's like, oh, every single scary. one of those in the book is like a chapter. Oh, neat. And they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, so overall I'd say, I still think, um, I think the casting was fine and I love Bill Skarsgård as, as yeah. Pennywise. I think he, 
the way I described to my colleague was that imagine Jim Carrey trying to scare you and because he's doing the same kind of body stuff. He looks like a cartoon character yeah. and I think he just absolutely nails it and it's fun when you're you let him do stuff that's actually scary yeah. and not being silly with him like oh I'm gonna run at you real fast or something yeah. like the scene under the bleachers I thought was like oh this is nice this is scary I, yeah. I'm liking this so the, the the scenes in which he was himself in makeup were yeah. scary anytime there was an effect Dumb. not scary at all not scary in fact one of the things I just want to point one of the effects out that I really hated was okay Bill being on his bike saying hi ho silver away is super critical in the book I won't go into the details sure but in it he's riding fast down the street and they decide to just put blur lines in behind him just to see I didn't notice it look like he was going fast <laughs> just like this is the cheapest most garbage effect I've ever seen couldn't they get him to go fast I don't know. <laughs> would you would you tell people to go see it chapter two no don't bother what if ba- they saw the, the first book. one um, that's tough, right? Cause I, maybe you need some closure, but, uh, don't go see it. Wait till it's on uh, Netflix or something. All right. I agree. Yeah. And definitely read the book because the book was really painful to get through. It was really it's gigantic. long, it's gigantic. but it's worth it, man. It's one of the best horror books I've ever read. Look at that. Cool. All right. It chapter two, not a glowing review from either of us. Uh, I, I'm probably in the same boat. It, it, if you saw the first one and you liked it, and maybe your standards aren't as high, and you you've you've, you've gone to the bathroom beforehand, yeah. then I don't know. Curtis's review was uh, if you came into it based off of the name, it was very disappointing. There was no IT in the film at all. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, Curtis. <laughs> all right, moving on. D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, uh, stalwart favorite of the show. Uh, recently, we started a new campaign that Joel is spearheading, uh, which we had our first game last Sunday, and I think uh, Joel can weigh in on his thoughts on the first one if he wants to. But I think everyone had a good time, and it was good shaking, for me, shaking off the dust of the or the cobwebs of uh, D&D stuff. Uh, but between that... Um, and all the mages running around, there are a couple of spells in D&D that some people have said, mm, these are kind of broken. So, Joel, what do we got? Yeah. So in 5e, obviously, all the spells are really powerful. So are all the other characters. So it's kind of balanced in the fact that uh, basically anybody can do a ton of damage and health is pretty low. So AC, which is sort of the the challenge that... I I don't get hit unless you in your unless you roll a number higher than this with your modifiers and everything um, is super important. Now spells obviously usually bypass that. So I can do a spell, whatever. Yeah. Uh, nobody really considers spells in general overpowered in Dungeons Dragons, but there are some spells that maybe Dungeon Master hates because you know players abuse it or something like that. So I have a list of I think about eight of them that we can talk about. Um, one of the ones you're probably pretty familiar with Eldritch Blast. Now, why does the, aside from how repetitive Eldritch Blast is, why is it on the hated spell list? I'm glad you pointed out the repetitive because that's actually one of the reasons why it's so hated. Oh, interesting. Because it's a cantrip, cantrips are basically spells you can cast an unlimited amount of times, whereas your level one to whatever, depending on your level. You're limited on your slots. You have, you can maybe do them, I think like, if you're level seven, you have like a total of seven of those that you can do in an entire day. Uh, so obviously cantrips are good. And the best cantrip is Eldritch Blast. It's not really questioned because it does a D10 and all the other spells do a little bit less than that. 
And as far as cantrips, they're all more or less useless unless you can kind of find a sneaky way. So Eldritch Blast is a force attack that's done exclusively by warlocks, and it's basically what they've been given to make them relevant. And doesn't it push enemies too? Uh, it can, yeah, if they fail a, a strength check or something. But so theoretically, you could also knock enemies off of platforms or over cliffs and things too, on, in addition to doing uh, a D10. Yeah, and I think the reason why most people don't like Eldritch Blast is because it's really the Warlock's only good option. <laughs> there's the there's the meme that's posted, uh, it almost feels like Say a year the line. or two. Say the line, Warlock. Yeah. I cast Eldritch Blast. Yay! <laughs> it's just, I'd go, like, I don't know, maybe it's because it doesn't um, feel like you're doing much, because it's not like you're doing tons of damage with it, Yeah. but it almost feels like you, this is like your, you, you dig into your toolkit, you see all these things, but it's like... <sighs> Do I use... No, all right. Eldritch Blast versus like if you're a barbarian or you're um, like a fighter or something, you're doing massive amounts of damage every turn and you're like in there cutting and weaving and doing stuff. It, that's more exciting than just... Yeah. D10. And I watched the animated spellbook on it and it was kind of funny because it was like, you do Eldritch Blast and it's, you know, compared to a rapier, it's... Oh, oh it's the same. It's the same <laughs> damage. <laughs> So basically, if you're if you're fighting with a sword, if you're a fighter and you're not a warlock, you can do the same amount of damage. You can attack twice, and um, and you're more interesting because here's the thing: is like, for example, those two paladins bopping at each other last that time, was painful. They're all smacking each other. They're missing, but at least they're swinging swords yeah. and they can clink off of armor and stuff. Can add some flavor to Eldritch it. Blast. It's like. It's the same thing over and over again. Like, how do you describe it in an interesting way? Well, I do Eldritch Blast, the same spell. I'm just going to do it. But maybe I, I push their hip this time. <laughs> Very limited. <laughs> All right, Eldritch Blast. What else? Let's move on. Um, augury. This is definitely a metal game thing. But basically, if you have a plan, like say, for example, you guys were either going to <clears throat> attack the base head on or do the secret side entrance that you heard about. Um, and you're like, all right, you know what? We're going to do the side entrance. Uh, Victoria's a wizard can come up and say, I cast augury. And basically it's, is this going to go well? <laughs> it's a, uh, you throw some items on the ground. Right. There's some bones and some other Classic things. stuff. Can you read entrails? And, and <laughs> your, your DM has to tell you basically four tiers of how good your idea is. Uh, is this an excellent idea, medium idea, poor idea, or are you absolutely screwed? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so it's kind of just metagaming. It's like, okay, you come up with a plan in like a very complicated, especially in like a complicated situation, and then you ask the DM, based off of what is coming, uh, should we do this? And so DMs hate that. Well, it's, it puts you in a weird position too. It's like, it, obviously if they're doing something stupid, it's very easy to just say, oh, you have a bad feeling about this. Or if they've got a great idea, it's like you're filled with jubilation at your idea. I don't know, however you describe it. But it's the middle ground that feels weird to me. It's like, you feel fine? <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's <laughs> great. And, and the only uh, counter to it is that if you try to cast it twice in a day, there's a 25% chance that you'll get a random reading. Oh, <laughs> divination <laughs> miscast. All right. Yeah. Uh, conjure X of X. So this is pretty simple. I, I think uh, Chami is a perfect example. I cast uh, Conjure eight woodland beings, and here's eight uh, pixies, and they all cast polymorph. Or <laughs> <you know. laughs> I conjure uh, 
uh, 10 wolves and each wolf gets a bonus yeah. based off of being close to wolves. So they all do a ton of attack and, and dodge things. So is this more obnoxious because it's it's kind of game breaking or is it because it's like the DM has to sit there and oh god, what's what's doing what? What are the bonuses they're getting? And Yeah, well A, it's a bit, it's really good and B, it's a lot more management too, Administration right? increases. Like eight more things you got to take care of. Yeah. Which for me, it was kind of like, okay, I have eight things I want to control. When I was a druid, um, I'm just going to roll for all of them real quick. Easy. Four of them hit. Yep. <laughs> uh, one of the ways you can mitigate that is that the spell rules as written does not give the player exactly what they want. It gives them uh, sort of a general idea, and then the DM gets to decide what actually gets made. Hmm. Interesting. And so it might just be like matching the terrain. Like if you're in the snow, you might get some leopards. If you're in the jungle, you might get snakes. All right. Fair enough. Uh, pass without trace. Something that we've talked about already before, but it basically gives plus nine to all stealth checks. Which is absurd. It's basically like an auto pass yeah. on any stealth check. So basically I think the idea behind it, and it also casts to the whole party, uh, is that you'll <clears throat> cast pass without trace, enter an encounter silently, and then just basically you've got a knife to the neck of any enemy and you <laughs> kill them all. It also allow you, I guess, depending on how... Uh, um, if only your cowboy paladin would just charge in like a maniac. What difference is... None, none of this matters. <laughs> but uh, I guess depending on how you've set up your encounters too, is theoretically the, the party could bypass everything and yeah. just all, like, oh... They're at get the big the bad. Item they need out of the chest. <laughs> then get out their way out. Mm. <laughs> Urge to railroad. <laughs> yeah. So, ways that the DM can mitigate this is that at higher le- higher levels, enemy spellcasters typically have some form of magic detection. Yeah, which obviously uh, ignores stealth. And also, something I want to point out too is that I feel like something that gets ignored a lot. And I'm not saying it's it's your fault or anyone's fault, but D and D. You can come up with whatever you want. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you from coming up with something. The only thing that limits you is your imagination and the tolerance that from other players. Exactly. And if you're going to pull out some nonsense, like, mm, uh, no, actually, they're worshiping a secret god that uh, always shows them whoever's hidden at all times. It's like, that's not fair. There's, it's the equivalent of playing a video game and just like... Yeah. I don't know, like dumping a boss on you for no reason and just like, okay. Turns how out was I supposed I'm to the Terminator. This? I'm the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> I can't die. <laughs> That's exactly, it's like playing games with you when you're playing cops and robbers with your friend and you're like, shot you, I shot you. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, I didn't shield up. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> never mind. I see. We don't see this much, but fly is really frustrating for a lot of DMs. And I think that's because they create a lot of scenarios where there's terrain, uh, difficult obstacles and everything like that. And then somebody says, I'm an Eric Akra, and off they go, and they just fly over everything. And don't uh, range characters get advantage if they're uh, above uh, targets they're shooting at? Exactly, and I think it's harder to hit somebody when they're above you too, which is... Yeah, it's fine. I mean, the easiest way to counter fly is to make you vulnerable when you're in the air or yeah. create dangerous um, things that are dangerous to flying, like uh, a giant red blood dragon that flies around the city. <laughs> Was that the whole reason it existed? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, mage hand, which, I mean, it seems kind of useless, but apparently, I mean, you can use it to actually open doors and Test, so, test things. So is that the thing? It's, it's like you make trap. all these traps and it's like, yeah. is that a cantrip too or is that yeah. a spell? So, also a cantrip. So you could just, <laughs> mage hand, mage hand, mage hand, mage hand. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, Eldritch Blast, we already talked about. Healing Word, I guess uh, the reason why is it's got 120 feet range. So you can... Absurd. It's not a ton of healing, but you can just throw it out as a bonus action all, all the time. Just the range on the spells in general seems pretty high because what was Victoria casting? Like, was she chucking fireballs or something from 115 feet away? And it's like... <sighs> it's insane. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, speaking of... It wasn't actually on the list, but the designers of D&D have actually said Fireball is intentionally overpowered because it's one of those cool classics that's always been there. Yeah. But I really like Lightning Bolt, which is basically exactly the same, but in a straight five-foot line. It's cool because it, I think it creates more targeting, like interesting decisions where you're actually trying to line up people versus... Yeah, exactly. A misty step over here, and then I get this... Yeah, that's a neat. 27 degree angle. Versus... 27.5. Well, what's the range on Fireball? What's the circle? I think it's 100 feet. And then the range... Oh, the AoE is 20. That's huge. Or 30? Yeah, Yeah, I think it's it's 30. So it's like, if any group of enemies, you're going to smoke with Fireball for the most part. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening to us talk about D&D and killer clowns and Sheffling decks in Egypt. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thank you for listening. Support CFRU. Goodbye.